I'm Pastor Chris. If you don't know me, I will use humor. It's okay. Uh, through humor, there is something there for you. Amen. Um, how many are happy to be in the house of the Lord? Glory to God. Amen. So we've been in this series called the Summer Series, Summer School uh, in the summer. And it's not because you're, you know, behind. It's so that you can get ahead faster. Can I get an amen? amen. And just a quick recap of how this has been going. Uh, Pastor Steve kicked it off. Do you remember that? Wasn't that such a good message, by the way? Uh, I've been trying to look for Pastor Steve. I think he's probably in Framingham. He was in Framingham. But he, uh, he talked about living out wisdom, right? And then he talked about how he coined Just Do It. And so we filed lawsuit against Nike and won. <laughs> Actually, we didn't. I withdrew the case because there was no evidence other than what he said. <laughs> but it was such a good message. Uh, and then the last Sunday, how many of you here... Uh, came to see Pastor Cliff. Wasn't that such a good message on, yeah, give it up for Pastor Cliff, making pain look good. Uh, and, and what a person to preach that message. And in case you're wondering, the glasses I'm wearing are fake. Yes. Uh, it's, you know, trying to fit in here uh, as the professor. And I was called the Brazilian Stallion, but I felt like a chubby pony for some reason. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to see. The Holy Spirit is working through me right now. <laughs> and Pastor Cliff is such, um, like, good-spirited. If, you, if you're around Pastor Cliff, his, his joy is contagious, right? So much that I had to unfriend him on Instagram. Like, I, I've cut him off. I deleted his number because being around him just makes you ask for problems because he goes through it so well. I'm like, Lord, do that. To, I want to get in trouble, you know? And then the, 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 it came, and I was like, no, no i got to get away from Pastor Cliff. Um, and then and today, we're going to be uh, talking about the power of words or how we can tame the tongue. Tell the person next to you, it's time to put a whip around that tongue. Yeah, yeah. It's time. And I'm going to start the message with the four questions that I'll end the message with. Uh, and th these are four questions that should make you think about your language when you're in low moments. Because there's a, there's a proportion control to positive things and negative things. And how many know, there's been many studies on this, but uh, you need to say typically five to nine positive things to lift someone up, but one negative thing can bring them back down, right? So there's a disproportion. And so because of that, guess what you should do more of? Uplift each other, build each other up. And so if you're taking notes, write this down. And if you're not taking notes... Write this down. <laughs> because no takers are. I don't know. The first service like blew up when I said that. I feel like, do you guys take notes here? Come on now. I'm going to try that again. No takers are. I see you. If you don't have a pen, raise your hand. We'll throw one in your eye. Um, I mean, hand. Hand. So these are the four questions that I'll start with and I'll end the message. And th I, I believe these four questions are what you should ask in low moments, okay? Because it's very easy to communicate when you're, when you're on top of a hill, metaphorically speaking, in life, yes? When everything's going well, everything is, uh, everybody's healthy, you're stable, you have good news, it's very easy to speak life when you're high on life, not on other things. Uh, well, actually, other th anyways. Um, 
Number one is, write this down, what you say about God. That's the first question. What do you say about God in low moments? Words matter, yes or no? In fact, one of the most powerful forces in the human psychology is your mind's ability to stay consistent with what you say. Did you know that? And so what do you say about God? Because the, the image of who God is cannot be touched. Like God is God. Can I get an amen? amen. Like whether you believe or not, he's still God. Like he's still on the throne no matter what. And this is just one planet, okay? And so there, there's something about the sovereignty of who he is that what we say doesn't change who he is, but what we say about him can change your perspective. And so I wonder what you say about God. Number two, write this down. What do you say about you? Do you tend to repeat the words that have caused you traumas for decades? Do you tend to repeat the words that were lies, but you believe them and so you repeat them? Or do you lift yourself up? Or do you cite verses? Or do you affirm what God is saying? Or do you repeat the echo of negativity? Number three, write this down. What do you say about others? Especially when they just left the room. <laughs> I'm coming for you. What do you say about others? See, the Bible gives us instructions on these things. Isn't it awesome? The cool thing is I don't have to give you my opinion today. I can just read what's in the Bible and say, you go deal with the word of God. And number four is, what do you say about your circumstance? What do you say about the situation? What are your words saying? So those questions, I want you to anchor them in your mind right now as you wrote them down. We're going to go through the book of James and study how words can influence these questions and what the answers are. And if you know the book of James, it's a poetic wisdom book. And this is James, the brother of Jesus. And this, it's interesting because people don't talk about this. And thank you so much. Um, did you know that, that James uh, spent more time with Jesus than the disciples? And the piano stopped, right? Like, we timed that. Like, we, that was, we timed that right there. In the notes, 1147. He spent more time with Jesus than the disciples. And so it's, it's interesting that when he speaks, he's speaking from more experience under time than the disciples. Because there was a before and after with James. And so this book was mostly influenced by Jesus' teaching on the, on the mountain, the Sermon on the Mountain, which is found in Matthew. The book of James is really just 12 short teachings found in chapters 2 to 5, and it's also inspired from the poetic wisdom uh, found in Proverbs chapter 1 through uh, chapter 9. And the main theme of this book is really calling the called to live a life of devotion to Jesus. But he challenges you in how you live it out daily. And that's what I like about this book and what James does a little differently in his letter is because he's not afraid to go there. And what does Pastor Derek say? If you're going to grow there, you have to go there. And so can, can I pastor you this morning? Is that okay? Amen. Amen. And he was known as a peacemaker. Everybody say peacemaker. 
You see, peacemaking starts with words. Can I get an amen? Peacemaking does not start with acts. Peacemaking starts with words. And he was also a pillar of the early church. When Peter left to expand and plant other churches, he was the leader of the early church community and also a martyr for the cause of Christ. And I'm going to read a verse that kind of sets the foundation for the truth of words from the Bible, and then we're going to pray, and then we'll get into the book. Amen? All right, let's read this together. Open your Bibles to Proverbs 18.21. Many of you know this verse. It's very famous uh, or cited a lot in the Christian sphere. If you found it, say amen. Oh, three of you found it. Okay, I'll wait half an hour. Proverbs 18.21. And I'll wait for you because I actually want you to highlight this in your app or write it down or do something, scribble it, rip the page out of the Bible, swallow it. Proverbs 18.21. If you found it, say amen. amen. And I purposely didn't put it on the back so you'd have to actually, I didn't make it easy for you. See that? Like, no, I'm not going to put it on the screen. You're going to look for it because I want you to write some stuff down, okay? I'm coming today. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue, everybody say tongue, say tongue, did you guys eat breakfast? What happened? Bella, next Sunday, could we add extra caffeine to the coffee downstairs? <clears throat> espresso, we're doing espresso shots next Sunday. <laughs> that could be a, actually, that could be a takeaway. So everybody say the tongue. Thank you. Has the power of life and what? Death. And what? Death. Death. That's right. Everybody knows this verse. And those who love it will eat its fruits. There are two types of fruit, life and death. Remember that. Okay. Close your eyes for just a second. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We ask for you to breathe on the inspired words of the Bible. And we pray for you to take center stage, that my voice would diminish and that you would speak to us through us, that we would leave change knowing that we were in your presence. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. It's interesting. It's a short letter. Uh, hopefully, you've taken the time to read the letter of, of James uh, as we've been through this series. And I'm going to start with what are three citations of how weights of words differ and matter uh, found in the book of, of James. Uh, and it's found three times. We're going to identify them. We're going to look up where they are. We're going to highlight that. But where we start is um, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. That's where we see James first talking about taming the tongue, okay? And it's a longer verse, so I'm not going to read it all. It'll be up on the screen behind me. But what I want to put emphasis on, now understand the verse that we just read in Proverbs, okay? And understand that James inspired a lot of his writing from the book of Proverbs through his personal life experience. Now look at what it says in James 3, verse 4. I, I like this verse because it, it speaks to the time I spent in in the Navy and, and being in a, a couple of different storms and different oceans in the world. And so I, I like the way it speaks. I like this metaphor personally, and so I'm going to read it to you. If you found it, same, and it's three, uh, chapter 3, verse 4. Thank you. It says it just like this. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, 
they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue, everybody say tongue, tongue. is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. All right, look at me for a second. We'll see this and we'll identify it, but basically, if we were to bring an analogy to the mouth, it's that your mouth is a gate, and your tongue, guess what it is? It's the gatekeeper. And it's found in, in three places, and I decided to find like a, a word to, to identify each citation in the book, and we'll go through it now, just so that like you could remember it a little better. And so in chapter three, we, we found this verse, and the, the theme here is, is how like the tongue is inflicting pain on people, and then at the same time later, it's praising God. And so I'm going to call this the split tongue. Everybody say split. split. And please don't split out of here. Hang in there for a second, okay? Um, it, a split tongue, it, a snake comes to mind, right? The snake has a split tongue. It, it, there's uh, um, descriptions of how can fresh water and salt water come from the same place, like oil and water. It, it, it speaks to things that are immixable being mixed. And so that's what the split tongue is. And so there's like 12 verses dedicated to the split tongue. Okay, and then if you turn the chapter to chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, and I want you to do that right now, actually. I want you to turn to 4.11, and I want you to highlight this. I want you to underline it. I want you to do something so that you can see the three places where it's highlighted in the book of James, okay? And it says, basically, uh, how these people are judging. They're judging people, and they're talking badly behind their backs and I know that doesn't happen here it happens frequently to the church down the street though I've heard some things <laughs> um, and so this tongue I'm gonna call it the slander tongue so write that down so there's the split tongue and the what the slander tongue okay so we're starting to see a pattern yes or no and the Bible is repeating something, okay? And repetition in Hebrew culture also equals put emphasis on this. And this is a short letter of someone who spent a lot of time with Jesus. And even though there are 12 mini teachings connected with themes, this is mentioned three times, and that's three times more than any other teaching. So is it important? Yes or no? So let's lean in. And so if you turn the page to another chapter, James chapter 5, verse 12. Underline that, highlight that. It's it talks about how the tongue tends to distort, twist the truth for your own advantage. And so I like to call this one the sneaky tongue. <laughs> Write that down. And so we have the split tongue, the slander tongue, and the sneaky tongue. And as I go through it, you've probably already done this, I want you to think about which one has maybe taken advantage of you over the past week. And we're going to find a way to address it in Jesus' name. But the truth is, like, I could go into each one of these types of ways of communicating your conversations, 
And each one of them could be a message to understand, like, what's really driving people to talk behind other people's back? What really uh, drives people to uh, twist the truth and be manipulative? Like, there are so many unpackings and learnings. Like, it could be a service, each one of these three findings. But instead, for the sake of the study we're doing in the book of James, I want to zoom out. I want to go 30,000 feet up. And I want to, instead of talking about the examples found, I want to uh, emphasize or put a focus on where that comes from or what causes that. Let's put a spotlight on the why of these tongues. What is the why behind a split tongue? Where does slander come from? And what's the source of sneaky? And if I had to do it, I'd say there are three areas. Three themes to the ingredients of conversations where you see this type of chat happening. And maybe that's you on the receiving end, or maybe that's you on the end that's delivering it. So number one, write this down. Is it okay if I challenge you this morning? Is it okay if I pastor you this morning? All right, so write this down. Number one is, typically, people that speak like this, they care more about how they are feeling than the other person. Write that down. Number one is they care more about how they are feeling. No, no, no. But my feelings. But how I feel. But me. And I would just challenge that feeling and say, when did Jesus put his feelings above others? Number two is they care more about what they want to say than what people need to hear. I'm going to say that again. Number two is, well, no, no, but you you don't understand. I know the truth. And let me just say something like, if you say the truth all the time to everybody everywhere, you will have no friends. (laughs) Like, like, I'm sorry. Like, and and, and we confuse that with, well, that's just who I am. And you're reinforcing that. And that's something that doesn't serve you. But maybe it's not being real to say whatever comes into your mind. Maybe that's what the Bible calls being foolish. There's a place for truth. But didn't Jesus teach us that grace comes before truth? And so in communicating with people, it's more important to know who you are in that relationship and who you represent than what you want to say. Can I get a stronger amen this morning? They care more about what they want to say. Because I'm keeping it real. No, you're keeping it silly. You're keeping it silly. There's a place for confrontation, and we understand here, Pastor Eric teaches it. Conflict is an assignment, but how you go about that changes. Number three is, therefore, in conclusion, this is a point, they must care more about themselves than the other person on the receiving end. And is it okay if I'm vulnerable today for a little bit? I was going to do it anyways. But thank you for your permission, the seven of you. I know your names and your addresses, you're getting gifts. You see, what people don't know about my story is that right after I served in the military, I hurried into a relationship against um, many counsel, and uh, it wasn't successful, and I went through a divorce. And how many know um, life isn't over at divorce because God can still reconcile situations? Can I get an amen? Amen. And when you go through painful situations like that, you start to see how the power of negativity 
can endure much more than how people lift you up. And can I give you a couple of examples of what these sound like so, it, so that I can be real with you this morning? And so I'll give you what it was for me, and it was, it was like this. I don't love you anymore. That's hard. It took me six months to recover. But maybe for you it was, I'm seeing someone else. It's tough. Maybe it was, well, we have to let you go. You're not needed here anymore. That's tough, yeah? How about this one? I was never your friend. How about this one? You'll never amount to anything. Do words have power, yes or no? Yes. Does this bring into context Proverbs? Yes. So this is, this is what I want to focus on. Because not every word is created equally. Like, there are things that I have posted on my Instagram, and in case you want to follow, it's I am Chris Mendez. <laughs> that, like, people have come in so critical. Like, this is junk. You're going to hell. Like, <laughs> it's like you actually don't know. You got this wrong, or this fact is. And, and like, I don't even know those people. And so th- stuff on comments, and I know you go into the comments just to find, you know, the thread. I, I see you. I love the person that goes into the threads, and he's like, I'm just here for the comments. Like, I'm that guy. Um, and then you see something critical, you know, like, actually, that color doesn't look good on you. Well, who asked you? And it annoys you, right? It annoys you, but it, it really doesn't get to you, right? Why? Because of the source. Because of who's saying it. And so what I want you to understand about your tongue is that you need to understand who you are so that you know the power of what you're saying because you're not just anybody. You are a son of God, a daughter of the Most High, and you are here as an ambassador to proclaim life in this realm. Can I get an amen? One pastor says it like this, and if you're taking notes, write this down. And if you're not taking notes, write it down. Source determines weight. Write that down. Source determines weight. The weight of what? The Brazilian pony? No. (laughs) Determines the weight of the word. Source determines the weight of the word. I'm sure you're thinking of examples right now. Like even this weekend, I was talking to, I said it in the first service, um, we, we just, a week ago, we gave birth, well, Madi gave birth to our first baby girl, Lais Hadassah. Yeah, give it up for Lisa Dasa. What's up? We will cut this clip and share it to her on her 15th birthday of that. Woo! And uh, she's a blessing. She's a ball of joy. Uh, I won't sleep for the next four years. Can I get an amen? And I have two boys, six and four. You know, boys that are six and four, you know how boys are, right? Like, they're just silly gooses, you know? Like, you can make, all they talk about is, like, poop, piss, and You know, like, I could literally look at my son and go, and he'll crack up, right? That's, that's boys. And uh, we were bringing her outside because uh, she sleeps during the day like a rock. Like, we live, ne- like, next to the train tracks here in, in the bustling downtown area of Ashland. And, you know, in, during the day, you have these industrial loads coming through, like 173 carts. Yes, I counted one day. I'm that busy. <laughs> and, like, they make that, that horn, that gaunt, whatever. It's like, Meh! She doesn't even flinch. But at night, 
I don't know what happens between a sun and the moon. Like, we have white noise on blast. It's like, <laughs> it feels like you're in the black hole, you know, in my room. Like, you couldn't hear the earth ending, right? And we're putting her to bed. You know, mama's doing everything she can. And I'm watching, and, and we're all just like, careful, careful. And then there's always that one coil in the bed that you forgot to oil 10 years ago. And then you, you get up off the bed, and it goes, and the baby, everybody looks at the baby, and she's like, like, no, come on. Like, it's like a rock. Like, what happens in the morning? Like, we should become vampires, I told Marty. But anyways, what am I saying? What am I doing here? Who am I? We put her on the, on the deck, and, you know, my deck's kind of old. Shout out to carpenters. Um, we put her in the, in the car seat. I don't know, like, we're not, like, we don't even take her anywhere, but we keep her in the car seat at home. Don't ask me why. This works. That was free. And Marty put her on, like, the, um, the deck, and it's a little wobbly, and Christian's coming around like a, you know, goofy Tigger the Tiger, like, jumping with both feet. And he, he just discovered how to put uh, crumbled up plastic bottles in between uh, the tire and the bike. So it makes that, that, I'm telling you, nobody sleeps now. You know, he puts that thing on. Seven hours. We don't even know. We forgot how to speak Portuguese. It's so annoying. And so he's coming around jumping like a rabbit. And he jumps so hard right in front of her. And then she wakes up. We're like, oh, there goes peace. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, right? And, and then I remember Mahdi was started to like correct him, and then I was in the kitchen behind the, 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 the glass door. And as soon as, as, as like he was done talking to her, you know, Christian looks at me. And as soon as he looked at me, I looked at him, and I was like, I didn't even have to say anything. And his eyes filled up with tears. And he turned around, he put his head down, and he started to walk down the stairs. And in that moment, I was reminded, I am the person in this conversation that he seeks the most approval from all day. But I am so preoccupied around what I want to say that I forgot who he sees me as. You have to remind yourself who you are in these conversations. You're not just the husband, the provider. You're not just the wife who's doing double time. You're the person that swore to love her forever. You're the person that he loves the most. And so there's something about that weight that hit me in that moment. I went back. I, I, I had him come back. We sat in this, this plastic bench that's about to go in any minute. And I, I looked him in the eye and I said, listen, I love you and I'm proud of you. I was, I was just upset at what you did. Because we need to learn how to separate who people are from what they do. Can I get a stronger Amen. The source determines the what? The weight. The weight determines the impact. Write that down. The weight determines the impact. There's a ratio in weight. Out of nine things that you say, one thing can cancel it out. And so when you speak, guess what you should lean on the error side of? Speak life. Encourage one another. Say that to the person next to you. It's time I start encouraging. It's time you start to encourage. The source determines 
the weight. I could give you so many examples, but I'm sure they're going through your head. Think about how many times people said you were clumsy. But when was the first time you never forgot? When the person you love the most said it. So the closer the source, the more weighty the word. That's why what you say about you matters, because there's no one closer to your voice than you. The weight determines the impact. Why do you think sons of doctors end up becoming what? Well, because they love it too. No, it's because they hear it. Why do you think there's that lineage? Like even back centuries ago, most people were named after what they did or where they were from. And that's where last names are originated from in, civilized, in the civilized world. And it had everything to do with what the father did, what the family was known for. Right? Even crests. Family, families back in the day had crests that symbolized what they meant. There's something about who's closest to you and what they say that can define destiny and predetermine your future. The impact then determines the outcome. Write that down. I'm going to say it one more time. Source determines the weight. The weight determines the impact. The impact determines the outcome. Are you guys getting something out of this today? So remember who you are when you're speaking to someone. But also, as Christians, remember who you represent. So what's the teaching in all of this? Great stories. I, I chuckled a little bit. I'll remember your glasses. But how does James address it? How does James address the tongue that should be tamed. And he does. If we put back up on the screen, chapter 3, verse 8, look at how he addresses it. As we put it up, and if you're looking for it, I want you to write this down, because this is uh, kind of funny. He says, verse 8, if you can get verse 8 out there. It was funny, because in the first service, I, I, I walked back here, and it, it wasn't up, so I had to walk back. So this is just exercise. So when we talk about verse 8... It, it really doesn't give us a solution. As they get verse 8 up, I'm going to read it to you. It says just like this. But no human can tame the tongue. So he talks about it three times, and he exposes how dangerous it can be. He, he allocates 12 verses to one called the split tongue, and then at the end, he's really saying, no one can tame the tongue. Look at it at the end. But no human being can tame the tongue. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. We'll see you next week. Right, so James, like, what were you getting? So, okay, the book of wisdom, James the just. Like, what, so what, what do we do? And this is what I want to transfer to you as you learn how to read the Bible. You don't need my opinion on this because the Bible is written in such a way, coherently inspired by the Holy Spirit, that the Bible can also define itself. Can I get an amen? amen. So the reason why the tongue cannot be tamed is because the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I didn't, I didn't come up with that. So turn your Bibles real quickly. 
to Matthew 12, 34. I want you to find it. I'm going to give you some time. I want you to highlight this. I want you to write on this. Matthew 12, 34. The Bible defines and addresses the tongue that can't be tamed. And it says it just like this. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Okay. So help me, Pastor. How can I tame my tongue? You don't. Pastor Derek teaches it like this. You can't modify behavior to have different outcomes. You have to challenge belief systems. Does that make sense? And so if you want to change how you speak, when you speak, what you say, it's not just about intent is greater than content. No, 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 no. It's also about filling your heart with something that overflows so that you don't have to police what you say. Can I get a stronger amen? So the real secret is to fill your heart because the mouth repeats what the heart is full of. Well, I've been asking to get filled up and nothing happens. The, the secret to getting filled up is emptying yourself. And I think this is where we get it wrong. Because in order to be full of life, you have to empty yourself of certain things. The best way to get full is to be empty. And so my challenge to you this morning is, what have you been so full of that God can't fill you up with? Because if you fill your heart, you don't have to guard your tongue. Isn't that good? Well, how do I fill my heart then? Because that's, the, that's, that's the, the next natural question, right? Okay, well then, well, what's the next thing? Hey, and this is how you should read the Bible, with curiosity. Okay, so if I can't, if James, after all that, is here to say you can't tame the tongue, and then in Matthew it says that you really have to fill your heart. Well, how do I fill my heart? With what you hear and what you see. The Bible will call the eyes the candlelight window of the soul. And the Bible also say that faith comes by hearing. And so whatever you hear and whatever you see determines what fills your heart. And so your heart is filled by what you hear. Your heart is filled by what you see and your mouth will repeat it. I was in the Navy for four years trying not to swear. I failed miserably. Do you know when it really changed? Do you know when my language really changed? when my heart changed. And so it's about a conviction that we need a special filling from a higher power. So I'm going to say this like this. Your heart will repeat what you hear and what you see. Your mouth will repeat your heart. So you don't tame the tongue. You tame the entryways. Is that good? Are you guys getting something out of this? And so for some of you, can I, is it okay if I challenge you? For some of you, hey, I, I'm, I'm, this, I'm the guy. I, I, this is, I challenge you. For some of you, and I want you to do this this week. Hey, you, you might have to pull the plug on, on cable this week. For some of you, you, you might have to delete that app. This is what James did. He went there. Is it okay if I go there? For some of you, you may have to avoid that relationship. For some of you, you, you might have to seclude yourself. 
Whatever it is, you need to be able to disconnect from the source that is filling you up with things that make you error in your language. If you could stand with me this morning. All right, let's talk practicals. How do I condition my heart? Remember in the beginning, I talked about four questions? Remember that? Would you all have amnesia? <laughs> I talked about what you say about God, what you say about yourself, what you say about others, and what you say about your circumstances. Now, I'm coming to challenge your mindset right now, okay? Because this, this is the moment during the week where you're not going to remember the sermon. But you're going to remember the priming of the Holy Spirit. You're going to remember the priming of the Holy Spirit. I want you to remember these four questions when you are at your lowest point in faith during the week. Yep, on the Mass Pike, 6 a.m., traffic parking lot. <laughs> and you're just rolling down the window because someone just cut you off and you're full of it. And you're gonna, God bless you! Mary, mother of Jesus. She was just a human. Number one. What do you say about God in those low moments? Very important. Very important. Do you say, he doesn't see me? Do you say, I must not be important? Because those questions and answers to questions like that tend to usually end up, he must therefore not exist. Or, or, can I teach you what the prophets told us in the Old Testament? That we should meditate on the law day and night so that you wouldn't forget what is written about him. Positive thinking and coach gurus call that affirmations today. This is in the old book. This is just repeating what God has said. So do you question God in that way or, or, here's it practical, do you acknowledge his greatness? And do you reference maybe a verse like Psalm 145.3 that says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. In those moments, do you focus on how unfaithful you were or, or, do you proclaim his faithfulness with scripture reference like Lamentations 3.22 that says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fails. When you internalize these things, you will never doubt God's compassion towards you. Do you reject his love or do you affirm it? with the scripture reference like 1 John 4, 8 that says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. I promise you, if that comes to mind first, whenever there's a doubt, it'll change the way you speak about God. Number two is what you say about yourself. Do you say things like, Maybe he was right. 
I'm a mistake. I'll never amount to anything. Or, 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 do you acknowledge beautiful creation by the Almighty? Even though you were unprepared here, he knew your name all along. <laughs> and can you, can you talk about references that says we should encourage one another? 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Or references like Mark 12.31 that says this, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And when you talk about your circumstances, your situation, health, finances, your dreams, your vision board, your aspirations, do you look at that and you focus on how your plan didn't work? On how all your preparation amounted to nothing in the end? Or do you remind yourself that God's plan has always been greater than yours? Do you express regret when you talk about your circumstances? Or do you express gratitude? I get to be here. I woke up today and I opened up two presents. They were my eyes. With scripture references like 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is a God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do you instead declare trust in God's plan? Like it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to what? To prosper you and to not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. What do you say? Because a lot of you seem to know the verse. But in that situation, do you talk about the circumstances with what God has said or what you think is happening? I want to end this message by a call found in Ephesians 4.29. And it concludes the point in James in another book. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful, everybody say helpful, helpful, for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. If you could close your eyes right where you are. Just for privacy, because I want you to think on this. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of words. Maybe you've been on the delivering end of these words. I challenge you to change what's in your heart. In this moment, we're going to give you a chance to do that. We're going to pray together. And I want you to think about what is it in your heart that causes that? The truth is, anger doesn't have to control you. Your emotions are real, but they're not reliable. And the best way to control the gatekeeper is by filling your heart. And so I want to give you a chance to do that. So if you're here this morning and you feel like you either need help 
coming out of something where you were on the receiving end or because you were on the delivering end. I want to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill your heart with something new this morning, with a reminder of who you are, a reminder that you're not just an average person, a reminder that you are special in his eyes, a reminder that you too have a plan and you have influence in your community, at your job, at your work, in your neighborhood, that you have a purpose. God has not forgotten about you, and neither should you. And so, Father, we pray now in Jesus' name for a filling in their hearts, for their hearts to be full right now with love and joy, for them to believe again what you have spoken over their lives. May there be a prophetic remembering of the promises that they were delivered, of what you have said about them once before. May it come to pass right now. May it come to memory right now. And may they believe what has come out of your mouth about them in Jesus' name right now. And I also want to cancel the words of hell that have broken your heart. Words that you have believed, that have made you bleed for too long, today it ends in Jesus' name. And we replace those hurtful words that have made you feel inferior with the words of hope, with the words of love from a Jesus who died for you so that you wouldn't have to go through this alone. And I don't know what you're going through, and I don't have to. I only care about who are you bringing with you. So Lord, fill them now. In Jesus' mighty name. And if you're here this morning, maybe you're visiting for the first time, or you've come before, but you want to try something different to change what's in your heart, to change your language and how you communicate. And I'm going to give you an invitation to formally accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You see, the secret to my life transformation wasn't discipline. It wasn't habits. It was following Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus, church, I wouldn't be here right now. I'll go further. If it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't be alive right now. If, if it wasn't for Jesus, either I would be dead or I would be in prison. I am speaking from a place of indebted love, and I just want you to know if you're here and you've never fully officially accepted him as your Lord and Savior, that there is a better life for you on the other side of your yes. And if that's you, that's who I'm speaking with right now. And I'm going to give you a chance to respond, and as a church, we're going to pray over you. And so if that's you, after I count to three, I want you to raise your hand and put it back down so that you can acknowledge what's happening in your heart right now, right now. It's not my words. It's the working of the Holy Spirit. And so one, I want you to know that God loves you more than you love yourself and more than anybody could ever love you because ultimately he created you. Two, this is your opportunity to have life change in a manner that stays and sustains forever. Three, if that's you, go ahead and put your hand up and put it back down so I can see you. I see you in the front. God bless you. I see you to my left. God bless you. I see you in the middle back. God bless you for that decision. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you online if you're responding in the chat. Father, we thank you for those decisions. And as a church family, can we pray together and confirm what's happening in these hearts? Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, 
I acknowledge you are Lord. And I believe that you are God and the Son of God. And I confess that I need help. So fill my heart and help me now. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up for those decisions? God bless you, connect.